the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. As he came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what large stones and what large buildings. Then Jesus asked him, Do you see all these great buildings? Not one stone will be left here upon another. All will be thrown down. When he was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will this be? And what will be the sign that all these things are about to be accomplished? Then Jesus began to say to them, Beware that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name and say, I am he, and they will lead many astray. When you hear of wars and rumor of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is still to come. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. This is but the beginning of the birth pangs. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Christ. In the name of our eternal and life-giving God, creator, redeemer, and sanctifier. Amen. Please be seated. Protect me, O God, for I take refuge in you. I have said to the Lord, you are my Lord, my good, above all other. Protect me, O God, for I take refuge in you. I love the Psalms. I love reading them. I especially love hearing them sung so beautifully because they encapsulate the whole of human experience. They talk about love, joy, happiness, and hope, but they also speak to our fears our sorrows, our frustrations, and our anger. They do not leave any corner of the human experience unexamined or unacknowledged, and they don't dismiss those raw feelings that permeate our day-to-day -day lives. However, and I think more importantly, they express God's deep and abiding love for each and every one of us. In his book on praying the Psalms, Thomas Merton wrote that God has willed to make God's self known to us in the mystery of the Psalms. 
the mystery of the Psalms. You know, I puzzled over this statement, the mystery of the Psalms, because for me, the Psalms aren't all that mysterious. I mean, they're pretty straightforward, and they're beautifully poetic, but they're not obscure like some Dylan Thomas poems. But I think what Merton meant by that statement is that the Psalms are mysterious because they are so deeply personal. When you read the Psalms, it feels like the psalmist has ripped open his soul and exposed the most intimate parts of his being. And then he says to God, this is me. This is everything that makes me, me. Every malformed emotion and thought, every ounce of devotional love, and every uncertainty that can course through my veins, my God, I offer it to you because this is me. This is mystery. Because it is the mystery of not only the psalmist, but also it is the mystery of us. It is the mystery, to quote Merton again, of our truest interior life. Our truest interior life. Let's just keep it real. Our own interior lives, even mine especially, are not some kind of divine sanctuary where we continually rest in the peace of God's presence. I mean, to speak, speak for myself, my own true interior life is a very messy form of mysteriousness. I mean, oftentimes my own interior life is like being in the middle of Christopher Nolan's film Inception, and I'm just looking around thinking, I have no idea what's happening, and I give up trying to figure it out. I'm just lost and a touch angry that I don't understand why I don't understand what's going on. But that's what makes the Psalms so powerful. It's the fact that they give voice to the humanity of just being unsure of being on shaky ground, of looking at our situations and saying, I don't have an answer, but what I do have is what I feel. What I have is my own experience, my struggles, my doubts, those feelings that I don't share with other people because I am ashamed of them. You see, the Psalms are the prayers that give voice to those feelings that we feel we just cannot pray because they are too intimate. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the great 20th century Lutheran pastor and theologian who was martyred by the Nazis, prayed the Psalms daily while in prison awaiting his execution. He wrote in his short book on the Psalms, if we were dependent entirely on ourselves, we would probably only pray the fourth petition of the Lord's Prayer. But God wants it otherwise. The richness of the Word of God ought to determine our prayer, not the poverty of our heart. And what Bonhoeffer is saying is that the Psalms give voice to all those feelings and emotions that we may not have the spiritual vocabulary to express. And if we didn't have the Psalms, we may just get into the habit of praying that we'd be given our daily bread. That's the fourth petition, by the way. I'm sure some of you are like, I don't know which one that is. I had to look it up. So. But we'd be praying for us just to have our daily bread. That is, those things that support and sustain us in our day-to-day -day lives. 
But the Psalms give us that poetic and rich and spiritual richness that allow us to fully give ourselves over to God, regardless of the situation we find ourselves in. They help us, as today's psalm says, to find richness and refuge in God. To find refuge in God. And by, but taking refuge in God, this is important, but taking refuge in God that doesn't shelter us from the pain of life. Taking refuge in God is not this, some kind of magic talisman that shields us from trouble or struggle. It does not provide us with a place of silent serenity where we can peacefully rest in God's presence unaffected by the world around us. No, that's not what it's all about. See, even in the refuge of God, there will be struggle and trouble. But when we take refuge in God, we take refuge in hope. We take refuge in love. We take refuge in the very thing that makes us children of the one true and loving creator. Refuge in the God that fashioned all of us. Refuge in the God that is there for us in the highest circles of heaven or the lowest bed of the grave. Refuge in the God for which darkness is not darkness but light because God is the light that darkness cannot overcome. Refuge in the God who is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and of great kindness. It is a refuge that is more secure than the cave of King David and more comforting than the spaces between the notes of music that Maya Angelou talked about. Because each of those refuges are finite, fleeting. See, God's refuge is eternal and absolute. And even when our souls grow heavy and they cry, they cry out before God, God opens God's self up to us and embraces us. And now with all that said, the Psalms are not, and this might seem a little strange, they are not, in Merton's terms at least, they are not there to make us feel better or introduce us to a new experience of God. They are not there to be some kind of cheap form of therapy. They are there to help us recognize that within our own experience, our own personal experience, God's presence permeates. It is enmeshed in everything that we feel, think, and are. From our life's brightest dawns to the most pitch black moonless nights, God is profoundly and intimately present. And for the psalmist, even in his darkest hour, for the psalmist, even in his darkest hour, and let me tell you that psalms get pretty dark, the psalmist never severs his relationship with God. The darkest hour for the psalmist is the time the psalmist feels he has to nurture his relationship with God. You see, the psalmist takes all that suffering and sorrow, all that pain and anguish, and he gives it over to God. Even when darkness becomes the psalmist's only companion, even when the psalmist feels like his life is on the brink of the grave and he has been rejected by God, the psalmist still sings of God's love. 
And he says that from age to age, his mouth will proclaim God's faithfulness. And that is faith. It is faith when you look at your life and you have, and, 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 and we all have been there. We've all been in these moments. When we look at our life, and some have had this worse than others, when we look at our life and say, I'm lost. I don't see a way out, and I am running on hope's last fumes. But God, I know you're there, and I know your love for me is deeper than I could possibly imagine. So I turn myself over to you. And the psalmist, you see, he doesn't deny the suffering he is going through. He lifts it up to God, offers it to God, and even though he feels lost to the abyss of life, the psalmist does not despair. He does not despair because he has taken refuge in God. Taken refuge in the good above all other goods. Refuge in the God who lifts those up who are bowed down. And this is not some kind of theological idealism. I want you to think of it as that. It is a spiritual truth to you. Not a theological idealism, but a spiritual truth. A spiritual truth that God is a God of loving kindness and great compassion. A God who walks with us towards the fullness of joy and when every, even when, he walks with us to the fullness of joy even when every step seems labored. Dang, that, that spiritual truth, that is hard to believe sometimes. But if we use the Psalms as our guide, if we draw from that abundant well of prayers that speaks to every raw emotion of our humanity, then we will come to that eternal truth that God is always there to counsel us, comfort us, and shelter us in the refuge of priceless love. Priceless love, not some superficial, sappy love. This is a love that sticks by you no matter what. A love that wants every corner of your being, every part of you that you wish was not part of you, and every part of you that is thankful that is part of you. God wants it all. God wants you to offer it all. God wants to give refuge to it all. Amen.